0: five four three two one i'm john mcglash for the wdma but anyway let's start with this little clip from the first season of emily in paris one of my favorite statements about marketing and advertising so this is a commercial that they were building and and they were showing for the first time in the ad agency and uh it actually featured a nude woman walking through a uh, uh, two columns of men on a bridge in Paris. <laughs> and Emily says it doesn't even make any sense, and her her uh, advertising agency partner there says it's it's perfume. it's not supposed to make sense. but anyway, this was the OT.
1: So what do we think? Sexy or sexist? Uh, definitely sexy. I'm asking Emily. Yeah, Emily. It it doesn't matter what I think. It matters what your customer thinks. So why not let them make up their own minds? Put the commercial on Twitter with a poll, sexy or sexist? Get a conversation going. Let the world decide and make it part of your campaign. Sexy or sexist? Or maybe both? It's a little controversial. I like it.
0: Okay, so anyway, um, it goes on from there. (laughs) And uh, so I did a poll because Sarah Fletcher, my friend Sarah Fletcher, was going to, uh, was talking about, she did an article, whether men and women shop differently, which I think is an excellent question. Um, She suggested that item shoppers are different than, I don't remember the other word, but she used the process shoppers. People who enjoy shopping are different than people who are just getting an item. You know, I'm I'm the item guy. I try to, if I go to retail, which isn't very often, I try to just get the item I want, even on eBay. I usually use eBay more because I can go right to the item and bing, 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 like that. That's me. And uh, we talked about Sarah's system yesterday and how that is the really the only way that that uh, the the internet is designed, that web e-commerce is designed to get something quickly, find it and go. Not to browse, not to shop really. My wife keeps endless tabs open trying to compare things on different sites and uh, it's a mess. <laughs> and Sarah's right. So I'm a big fan of Sarah. Anyway, so I thought I'd do a poll. I haven't done one of those in months, maybe a year or more. Do men versus women shop differently? Is this question sexist sexy or good marketing practice i think i think um i think sarah marked sexist i can look up you know i can look up who votes how i didn't know if you knew that but i can yes so so think about it first and uh someone else an old friend of mine who's a a novelist wrote sexy (laughs) or chose sexy he was the only one and uh we won't mention his name and uh good marketing practice got 91%. Yay, yay LinkedIn friends, you got the right answer. <laughs> now, obviously I didn't design this poll very well because it leans heavily toward that obvious right answer as most multiple choice uh questions do. Okay? But uh that poll got 1644 impressions, which is way above average for my average post which gets about two or three hundred or something like that and so yesterday i was on a uh, question and answer live session with hala taha who's founder of yap media and host of young and profiting podcast okay and she does an excellent job i did i i attended a webinar of hers in mid december uh, of 2023 Let's let's just zoom this in a little bit. We'll zoom it way in. Okay, this is the past 360 days, and if you look, last year wasn't was sort of uneventful and not much happened. And then I had a really good post of an Amazon delivery driver saluting the flag, and that was was what got this up here. And that's about 2,600 impressions on that one day that that posted. And what's interesting is that uh, that Hala says that there's there's about a two-week window or maybe even less, maybe the last 24 posts that LinkedIn looks at. And there's sort of a halo effect, as you can see. They'll start showing it more because of that one post. It'll affect your other posts, okay? And so uh, I worked pretty hard at getting things going, but this was before I knew what I was doing. So this is in uh, late October, I think. And then I wasn't able to sustain that with my typical YouTube video format creation content creation. Uh, and uh, so it kind of leveled off here. Not bad. It's still way above what you know what I had been averaging. This over here is the Bud Light right there. <laughs> Bud Light where i showed uh, kid rock machine gunning cases of bud light i think that was no that was earlier that was in april i don't even remember what made but i had two good little posts i was trying to do i was trying testing some other stuff testing is a euphemism actually i was just trying some things to see what happened and i got one or two posts that went well but anyway so i took her webinar here and one of the first things she said really got my attention she said linkedin is full of legacy people and legacy people are old guys who got on early i was one of the first 50,000 people in 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 uh, to to join linkedin and in those days i think that my first year i had one connection brent bissell and he was the only other early adopter that i could find and i literally took piles of business cards for a while trying to find anybody else who is forward-thinking enough to be on LinkedIn, okay? And then in 2012, we'd we we we'd been six years with Musician's Friend, and they decided to use a different vendor. A new marketing team came in, and they said that, and their other vendor said they can do just exactly the same thing as as Miglash Marketing, and so we got fired. A year later, uh, Jim Alexander called, who was working with Musician's Friend, and said, did they back test? <laughs> and I said, yeah, that's what they said. So they didn't actually test against you. I said, yeah, they didn't actually test against you. See, musician, Musician's Friend had run 11 tests against eight different modeling companies over the six years we worked with them. And in every case, we we crushed it. I got that from Travis Seaton at Cohere One. I still have the letter. Thank you, Travis. And uh, he called up because he said, did you know that the Guitar Center people are accusing you of cheating? And I said, cheating what? They said, they've been testing you. They've been testing you all the time you've been here. <laughs> I said, no, I didn't even know they were, they were testing. I, I didn't even, at the time, know how to test modeling systems. Now I do. And uh, I didn't understand what a back test meant I mean, I, I kind of did because we we validated every model like 20 times. That's sort of a back test. But basically what it means is let's run a model and see what the comparison would be between how we did and how we might have done if we would have used the model. Because you use a historical data, so you know how you did. And then let's see how we would have done if we would have used this model. And it, it sounds really great at the, when you're doing it, but the problem is, is that it, it's full of spurious correlations. And the more data you have, the more, the more baloney it's going to spit out. It's going to find correlations with all sorts of tweaky little variables that are meaningless and can't work in the real world. So we work very hard. Probably 80% or 90% of the work in modeling is to get rid of the nonsense. And then when we put it in the mail, it does well. If you don't do that, it can be upside down, which happened to me one time, and you know, how I learned it. Right. And so uh, and so Travis said they'd been testing, but not they didn't test this time. And Jim Alexander said this went to garbage. The results just went to garbage. Now, did they ever hire me back? No, of course not. And that never almost never happens. This happened once, I think, in my life. Um, but anyway, so I'm a legacy guy on LinkedIn. I post a lot of stuff. I've been there forever. In 2012, I got really serious. And uh, by 2015, I had fifteen hundred first level connections right and then I got even more serious and started publishing some content and in uh in 2018 or 19 I joined um I joined the print the COVID print group and I got really serious and I got I went from 1500 to about 6,000 connections and now I'm at about 13,000. But anyway, but I'm the old guy who has been around 13,500 plus kind of first level connections. But LinkedIn doesn't look at that. They look at the last 20 posts. So, uh, so Hala says you should really delete the bad posts. Delete the events that are now expired. And uh, so over Christmas, I played with this a little bit. And it... Actually, I was surprised that it went up, and as you can see, uh, right around New Year's last week, the day after New Year's, I think, was one of my top posts ever. I think that was that was like third and fourth days of impressions, which is stunning. So I think that the thing works. Yesterday, I went on a Q and A session. She actually spent about five minutes with me, and gave me some tips. And many of her of her listeners uh, decided to follow me. And for some, for probably that reason, LinkedIn took my impressions. And this is not a game about who looks at your post. This is a game about who LinkedIn shows your post, okay? This is an algorithm that has nobody watching it probably. And, but all of a sudden, 3,000 is about here, right? Right in there someplace. And I'd never hit really close to 3,000. 2,600 something was my best and so, all of a sudden, yesterday, I was at 4,085. So, I'm, So one of her suggestions was that I do more, that I do more surveys. So, yesterday, I posted a survey just to boost that a little. I really wanted to hit 4,000. And um, so, I said, can anyone really know what, what ads and marketing are or are not working? Comment below. Very curious. And I, my survey says, three CEOs have recently told me, and this is true, Half my marketing is wasted. I wish I knew which half. How do you feel about your ad effectiveness? And the first choice is, I'm sure it's ours is wasted too. I don't believe we can ever know, or I know exactly what's working. Those are kind of binary, <laughs> with a little middle option, right? Um, but but you know, can we ever know? And then I got two good comments so far. Uh, Andy Mansfield suggested focus groups because it is a mess, and um, and looks like color Frank KZ said uh, just get a good attribution model well and then I wrote back is there such a thing as a good attribution model and the problem is is that attribution isn't causation it's the same problem as backtesting. okay it does its best to figure out where you came from but it doesn't know what caused you to come from there right and for that you need the better modeling you need the better testing you need someone who understands how to prove The value of a model, or the value of a media channel, or the value of a particular offer. Okay, and that's what I talk about every day. I'm passionate about direct mail because it's one of the greatest places you can build a laboratory to find out what you're doing. Okay, so that brings me to Parker, uh, to Matthew Parker, five trends that will affect the printing industry in 2024. And Matthew says, how far can starts how far can you see into the future? It used to be you'd get 5-year projections and 5-year, you know, guesses on the future. Now the same people, podcasters say they're lucky to predict more than 6 months. Okay? And what is his number one thing? Carbon measurement is the number one thing to think about for 2024. And I got a little upset with that. So I decided to <laughs> edit down an interview with Willie Soon, uh, a very interesting – he used to be at Harvard, but he got out because it was so political. There we go. Now we're getting this thing really working. I'll play a little bit. And then it. these people
1: so, b- come along say that CO2 is causing everything, but then it's not even close. There's a famous phrase by a very famous uh, – Wisconsin meteorologist. His Wisconsin. name is Professor Reed Bryson. He's uh, one of the father of climatology, Reed really. Bryson. If you think CO2 is so, you might as well spit into the air and see what happened to the airflow. <laughs> he was just basically saying that CO2 is nothing. It doesn't change anything, actually. It's the sun. The sun is the magnetized ball, right? It's a gas, hot gas. It's about, you know, the, the magnetic field is so strong, it's 10,000 times stronger than the Earth. The Earth is also a magnet, a bar magnet, basically. Yes. It's one gauss. We have 10,000 gauss at least. Very difficult to to try to master or even to model using mathematical equations. They kind of want to have CO two as the prime driver of everything. I in science now. I rather say this thing outright. I want. I rather have questions that cannot be answered than answer that cannot be questioned.
0: Okay, that's enough. But it goes a little longer. And and I want to say, you know, I've been battling the internet since 1995. In 1995. I was the catalog guy in North America and probably one of the the top guys in the world. I got calls from all kinds of major brands saying, we'd like to do a catalog or would you come in and look at our catalog or whatever. I've worked with about 80 different prominent catalog titles. And the internet just basically cut the legs off of that. Catalogs are going to be dead, right? Catalogs are going to die. They're gone. Printing is going to go away. It's all going to be digital. Does that sound familiar? right? There's a trend for you. Guess what? It was completely wrong, but it gets promoted and promoted and promoted. Why? Because there's a lot of money in it. There's a lot more money in digital for advertising agencies than there is in print. And, um, and <laughs> i got to remember, Deborah Korn explained this to me. She said, oh yeah, it's because ad agencies, their media buyer doesn't doesn't do print. You know, the client basically works with a printer. So the ad agency has very little that they can mark up. And oftentimes, and they rarely mark up the postage. So whereas digital can be marked up maybe double what you'd get on a normal TV commercial, right? Direct mail is marked up almost none at all. So they don't want to handle it. It has nothing to do with effectiveness, right? Okay, so we've been fighting that for literally decades now. It'll be almost 30 years next year, right? since the internet came online and since I built my first website, just to put it in perspective. I'm not against the internet. The problem is, is that attribution is almost impossible. Even modeling is almost impossible, why? Because direct mail gives you the engaged non-buyers. With direct mail, you know it gets delivered. You know that it goes to a decision maker. You know they make a decision. Even if they throw it away, they're making a decision. So there's guaranteed built-in engagement. And so now we know who engaged and bought and who engaged and didn't buy. And that is the key. You have to know your right answers and your wrong answers. That's how Watson taught Jeopardy to play, uh, how how IBM taught Watson to play Jeopardy. That's how it works, okay? So now we have to fight carbon. the carbon footprint measurement. Okay, CO2 is nothing. CO2 is a trace element. There's 40 parts per 10,000 in the atmosphere, right? So there's no physical way that it can do what they claim. But even if that were 100% true, let's just say it's 100% true. Let's just say that I just shoveled (laughs) inches and inches of global warming. Okay? Even if carbon dioxide were the cause, there are still benefits. The deserts have shrunk almost 10% in the last 30 or 40 years because of the increased CO2. But is man, is human race causing the CO2 to go up? Well, out of that 40 parts per 10,000. How many parts have any relationship to human activity whatsoever? Four. 10%. Maybe. Probably that's very charitable. It's probably more like two. But let's give it four. Okay? So we can't control it anyway. If we go to zero, if we go back, and even, even if we banned all fossil fuel, which they really are trying to do, we will still not go to zero because we burn wood. You know, the forests are much more much more prevalent now than they were when mankind was burning wood. <laughs> and that was the only way to go, right? You're still burning something, okay? And why are the people who are so anti-fossil fuels so anti-nuclear? Now, there's a question for you, right? There's a humdinger of a question. Nuclear is clean energy. Because they're not about energy. It's about politics. And I know you're not supposed to be political on LinkedIn, but... Here's an article, and you know what, Matthew Parker's right. It, in, it it infuriated me reading this that he's right. You know, single use. What about recycling? Paper is one of the most recyclable materials on Earth, right? But the but Minnesota, the Minneapolis City Council and uh, sponsored extensive research and found that you won't believe this: incineration is more environmentally friendly. The only problem with incineration is and i'm talking about super high temperature incineration not just not just some garbage that's burning but high temperature incineration basically emits just co2 if it weren't for the demonization of co2 we'd be burning our garbage for energy turning it into electricity there's plenty plenty of energy in plastic it's super it's it is fossil fuel and yet that got shot down, even though the research absolutely defended it. You know, trucking garbage around to recycling areas to sort it and to package it and all, etc. And to bury it, it's all insane. So as direct marketers, as direct mail people, we need to know these things. We need to be able to defend ourselves because we are one of the more most environmentally sustainable advertising channels in the world. Trees are a renewable resource. They absorb CO2. I welcome your thoughts. I hope you like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. Bye-bye.